A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust proof stainless steel hardware, weather ready teak, and quick dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Serial rapist Harvey Weinstein is in prison today because Woody Allen did some creepy shit 30 years ago and got away with it. Wait, what does Weinstein's downfall have to do with Woody Allen? Let's start at the end and work our way backwards to the terrible event that set everything in motion. Harvey Weinstein was a legendary Hollywood producer who looked like a hairy toe in a tailored suit. He ran this company, Miramax, that made indie movie-making cool in the 90s and gave us films like Pulp Fiction, The English Patient, and Goodwill Hunting. At the same time, he was sexually assaulting as many young actresses as he could get his mitts on. He had a pretty consistent M.O. He'd call the actors in for an interview at a hotel. Once there, he would push for a massage, which often led to sex. It was Tinseltown's worst-kept secret. To date... Over 80 women have come forward alleging harassment, assault, and rape. His list of accusers reads like a who's who of Hollywood. Gwyneth Paltrow, Kate Beckinsale, Kate Blanchett, Ashley Judd, Angelina Jolie, Madonna, Rose McGowan, Uma Thurman, and more. And as the number of his victims grew, the rumors increased. And everyone was kind of waiting to see which news outlet would be the one who would dare to take him on and report the story. But every time a reporter tried, Weinstein's well-paid attorneys and army of private eyes shut it down. Then, in May of 2016, a 28-year-old journalist named Satchel wrote a guest column for The Hollywood Reporter that put all slimy film executives on notice. It was titled, My Father, Woody Allen, and the Dangers of Questions Unasked. It was young Satchel's way of telling famous creeps that As far as he was concerned, time was up. For his byline, Satchel used his middle name, Ronan, and his mother's maiden name, Pharaoh. Ronan Pharaoh's article begins by retelling the story of how he became the first person to ask Bill Cosby's biographer about allegations that the comic liked to roofie and rape women. Ronan understood better than most how uncomfortable allegations are often ignored by the media if the accused is famous. In 1992, Ronan's mother, the actress Mia Farrow, accused his father, the director Woody Allen, 
of molesting their adopted daughter, Dylan. And the media went easy on Woody Allen, who went on to make movie after movie with Hollywood's elite. And when Woody Allen married Mia Farrow's other adopted daughter, Sunyi Previn, nobody seemed to give a shit. He was an eccentric director. Who cares? Ronan, on the other hand, had to contend with the fact that his sister was now his stepmother. So when Ronan is 28 and working as a journalist, Woody Allen's new film kicks off the Cannes Film Festival. And by then, Ronan had had a fucking nuff already, so he penned this Hollywood Reporter article. He lays it all out, how Dylan's story was overlooked by the mainstream press, how the prosecutor said he'd had probable cause to prosecute Woody Allen, but didn't, how he has memories of his father climbing into bed with Dylan and asking her to suck his thumb, how Allen had gone into therapy to discuss his inappropriate behavior towards children. We are witnessing a sea change in how we talk about sexual assault and abuse, wrote Ronan, but there is more work to do to build a culture where women like my sister are no longer treated as if they're invisible. It's time to ask some hard questions. But even that didn't bring down Woody Allen. So Ronan set his sights on a different target, someone just as powerful, the biggest uncaught fish in his father's pond, Harvey fucking Weinstein. And he got the goods, man. He nailed Weinstein. And when he took it to NBC, where he worked at the time, they wouldn't publish. That's how big Weinstein still was. NBC was scared. Taking on Weinstein scared the shit out of everyone. But not Ronan. Ronan didn't give a shit. If his father wouldn't go down, he'd burn Hollywood to the fucking ground. It's epic. This story is epic. It's Shakespearean. It's biblical. Need I say more? On October 10th, 2017, the New Yorker published Ronan's story titled From Aggressive Overtures to Sexual Assault. Harvey Weinstein's accusers tell their stories. Three women went on record, saying that Weinstein raped them. Holy fucking shit, the executive said. Mia Farrow's little boy is not playing around. In short time, Weinstein was arrested. In February 2020, a jury convicted the movie mogul on one count of sexual assault and one count of rape. They sentenced him to 23 years in prison. The judge sent this guy who used to dine in L.A.'s swankiest restaurants to fucking Rikers Island. But it didn't end there. The outing of Harvey Weinstein is the first domino in a warehouse of dominoes that are still falling to this day. Kevin Spacey, Les Moonves, Andy Dick, Louis C.K., Charlie Rose, John Lasseter, Matt Lauer, Brian Singer. And Ronan nearly got Brett Kavanaugh, too. And if you look back at the chain of events... The question becomes this. If Woody Allen isn't a creep with Dylan, if he doesn't marry Ronan's sister, does Ronan become a journalist who focuses on sexual abuse? Does he have the guts to take on Weinstein? No, no way. And how many of these abusers would still be out there abusing their staff today, if not for Ronan's article? These are the kinds of stories I want to share with you today. The philosophy lesson in this episode, for the first time, is my own. You see, I have this theory. I like to call it the second law of true crime dynamics. I believe that for every terrible crime a person commits, every bad thing that happens, an equal and opposite reaction of grace occurs. I believe that given enough time, something good will come out of every bad thing. This is the philosophy of crime, and I'm your host, James Renner.
When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. The Buddhists call it karma. If you're a fan of Stephen King's Dark Tower series, the concept is known as ka. And ka is like a wheel. What goes around comes around. In science, it's the concept of equilibrium. As Oscar Wilde once wrote, behind every exquisite thing that existed, there was something tragic. Dig it. If you look deeply at any tragedy, you will find goodness. I promise like little green sprouts rising up from volcanic ash. There's something going on here. Call it God, call it science, whatever. doesn't really matter. It just is. Let's talk about Amber Hagerman. This happened on January 13, 1996, in Arlington, Texas. Amber was nine years old. She was riding her bicycle around the parking lot of an abandoned grocery store near her house, just being a damned kid when a black pickup truck drove up to her. A neighbor saw a man get out of the truck and yank Amber off her bike. The girl kicked and screamed, but the man got her inside and drove away. Amber's new body was found four days later in a creek behind an apartment complex less than five miles from where she was taken. To this day, her case remains unsolved. However, 
Amber has helped rescue a thousand other kids in the years since her murder. The first was a baby named Rayleigh Bradbury, same city, Arlington, Texas. 1998, just two years later. Rayleigh was eight weeks old when her babysitter kidnapped her and disappeared. So the police implemented their new Amber Alert system, which was created in the aftermath of Amber Hagerman's murder and named after her. 90 minutes after the alert was issued for Ray Lee, someone recognized the kidnapper's turquoise truck, and she was recovered unharmed. Ray Lee was the first, and last year, in 2020, police celebrated the recovery of the 1,000th abducted child recovered using the Amber Alert system. A similar tragic origin story led to the resolution of the murder of 15-year-old Karen Perez in 2016. When Perez didn't return home from school one day, her family became worried and reported her missing. Police learned that earlier in the day, the girl's boyfriend had texted her and told her to skip school and meet up with him. It was thought that she may have met up with him in an abandoned apartment in South Houston, a place neighborhood kids used as a makeout spot. But police didn't find anything inside. It was a man named Tim Miller who found Karen's body stuffed under a sink in the apartment. Miller is the founder of Texas EquiSearch. If you follow true crime stories, you've likely heard of EquiSearch. When someone goes missing, especially in out-of-the-way places, EquiSearch is who everyone wants on the case. They're a nonprofit with over a thousand volunteer searchers who can quickly mobilize a large team to search for remains in any location around the globe. They assisted in the Natalie Holloway case and searched for Kaylee Anthony, too. Over the years, they've helped locate the remains of dozens of missing people, closing cases that would otherwise have remained unsolved. How did EquiSearch come about? Well, Tim Miller's daughter, Laura, was the victim of an unknown serial killer. It was 1984 in League City, Texas. The Miller family had just arrived in town and had yet to get a landline. On September 10th, Laura asked her mom to drive her to a payphone so she could call her boyfriend. She was 16 and in love. Her mother obliged and dropped her off at the public phone booth a half mile from their new house. She was going to walk back, but she never arrived home. For months, Tim searched for his daughter, even though police believed she'd run away. But he knew better. Seventeen months later, Laura's body was discovered in a field off a dirt road. Authorities would later discover the bodies of three other women nearby, and these became known as the Killing Fields murders thought to be the handiwork of one man who remains at large. Karen Perez's body was located as an indirect result of Laura's murder in 1984. And so it goes. The next story is about how the abduction of one little boy led to the arrest of 1,186 fugitives. On July 27, 1981, six-year-old Adam Walsh went to the mall in Hollywood, California with his mother. She wanted to check out a lamp at Sears. When they entered, Adam spotted a kiosk where some other boys were testing out Atari games. It seemed safe enough to leave Adam there while she got the lamp. But when his mother returned, all the boys were gone, including her son. Turns out a couple of the boys got into an argument over who got to play next, and a security guard asked them all to leave. Adam was a shy little kid, and he probably just followed the other boys out of the store, too nervous and polite to say anything to the guard. Once outside, the other boys went on their way, and Adam was left alone. By the time his mother ran outside, he was gone. 
His severed head was found in a drainage canal a couple weeks later in Vero Beach, about 130 miles from the mall. Adam's father, John, worked for the Paradise Island Hotel and Casino, but after the murder, he made it his life's mission to wage a personal war against any man who would prey on children. He formed the Adam Walsh Child Resource Center, which later merged with the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. And in 1988, Walsh got his own television show on Fox. As the host of America's Most Wanted, Walsh mostly went after fugitives, airing the details of their crimes along with their photographs. The show ran for 24 seasons, 941 episodes. As of today, Walsh's show is responsible for the capture of 1,186 criminals, including 17 from the FBI's most wanted list. He also reunited 43 missing children with their families. A drifter named Otis Toole is believed to be responsible for Adam's abduction, though he was never charged. He died in prison in 1996, aged 49. Now, let's step back and look at this phenomenon on a larger scale, this tendency toward goodness. Did you know that America won the space race and went to the moon thanks to a Nazi war criminal who was responsible for building the rockets that killed 9,000 civilians during World War II, as well as another 12,000 people who died while constructing the bombs for Hitler's military? His name was Werner Magnus Maximilian Fairhair von Braun, which I think he changed to Werner Cougar Mellencamp for a bit in the 80s, before going solo as simply Werner von Braun. Von Braun was a brilliant engineer who yearned to build a spaceship one day. He seemed to care only about the funding he needed to do so because his loyalties were placed with whoever was in charge of the purse strings at the time. And in Germany, in 1937, that would be Hitler. So Von Braun joined the Nazi party and then the SS, where they gave him the rank of Untersturmführer, which is German for major asshat, if my translation is correct. He built the V-2 rocket that dropped bombs on Britain as a vengeance weapon for Hitler. They used slave labor to build those rockets, by the way. They were constructed at the Mittelwerk factory, which pulled workers from the Mittelbau Dora concentration camp. At least one survivor testified that he saw von Braun at the concentration camp handpicking his slaves. When the war ended, the U.S. government caught him. They didn't execute him. They put him to work. We used von Braun's expertise to build the rockets we used to launch satellites into space, and then people, and then all the way to the moon. And during the space race, we were constantly inventing convenience items for the astronauts to use, which then filtered out to normal citizens. So you can thank Hitler's top scientist for stuff like sneakers and LEDs, memory foam and treadmills, baby formula, and CAT scans. In the end, karma squeezed a lot of good out of that terrible man, didn't it? Now let's jump to Australia. There are a lot of things that can kill you down under. Spiders, snakes, jellyfish, dingoes. But death on the whole is trending downward there. Gun-related homicides and suicides are down by 47%. They cut it in half. How'd they do it? What's the magic? Well, Australia funded gun buyback programs, which destroyed about a third of the guns in their country. And they changed the laws so that everyone who wants a gun has to demonstrate a genuine reason they should have a gun 
and they can't use self-defense as a reason. Why did they do this? Because of one man named Martin Bryant. Now, Martin Bryant was not a politician or activist. He was a 28-year-old young man with a Colt AR-15 and an itchy trigger finger. He used his gun to murder 35 people during a two-day spree in Port Arthur, Tasmania. The country reacted in horror, as they should. It was horrific. And they decided to change, and it made a difference. And yet, here in the States, after Stephen Paddock killed 60 people in Las Vegas in 2017, we just got rid of bump stocks. It's a start, people. It's a start. It's hard at first to find the good that blooms from tragic shared events, like the 1977 New York City blackout. But it's there if you look. It's always there. In 1977, New York City was dealing with a recession, a heat wave, and there was this guy named Son of Sam going around killing people. And in the middle of all that, the power went out. 31 neighborhoods descended into darkness, and people lost their shit. There was looting and vandalism on a scale never seen before. 35 blocks of Broadway were destroyed. There were over 1,000 fires. Almost 4,000 people were arrested. It was mayhem. Humanity at its worst. And yet, some of the stuff that people stole was audio equipment. Specifically, high-end DJ gear that poor African Americans could not afford. With the stolen goods, they made new, rebellious music and hip-hop exploded. DJ Grandmaster Kaz admits to looting gear during the blackout. Music producer Clark Kent has said he stole his first turntable that night. The city went insane, and new music was created that inspired artists for generations. I'm from Cleveland, so I love a good mistake on the like story, especially one that ends well. Probably weren't around back then, but by 1969... The Industrial Revolution had made much of this planet a soot-colored dystopia. Factories chucked their chemicals out back, and nobody was there to stop them. It got so bad that on June 22, 1969, the Cuyahoga River, which runs through downtown Cleveland, caught fire. The water caught fire, folks. That's how polluted the river was. Flames shot five stories into the air, and finally we realized, damn, we gotta clean this shit up. And that's how we got the Environmental Protection Agency. As a direct result of EPA regulations, air pollution has fallen dramatically. The amount of sulfur dioxide in the atmosphere went from 320 parts per billion to under 20. PCBs in the Great Lakes fell just as dramatically. We have cleaner air and cleaner water for everyone now. We have fire safety protocols for schools that have saved thousands upon thousands of children because we saw the need for change after a fire broke out inside Our Lady of the Angels School in Chicago in 1958, killing 92 kids and three nuns. And we only have genetic genealogy thanks to a bastard named Joseph D'Angelo, who was so evil that nobody could cry about civil liberties when police suggested we use public genetic databases to search for their killer. I was 23 years old when 9-11 happened, and the thing I remember most was how everyone put up a flag. We put them on doors and the back windshields of cars and just wherever anyone can fit an American flag. Congressmen, Republican and Democrat, sang patriotic songs together on the steps of the Capitol. It unified us, if only for a small time. 
We loved each other because we suffered together. And that's not to say we should be happy about it. That's not to say we should be glad that Adam Walsh is dead because it led to the arrest of thousands of fugitives. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying that when you consider the good that comes out of terrible things, it suggests that we have potential as a species. That there is something innate in all of us, in this group of self-aware hominids who make war. There is something very basic that makes us want to make life a little easier for each other. That mourns when others suffer. And it's slowly, very slowly, shaping this world into a better place. So when the next tragedy happens, whether it's on a national scale or just very personal, do what Mr. Rogers suggested so long ago. Look for the helpers. And eventually, the good will come. The Philosophy of Crime is a Fearful Symmetry production. This episode was recorded by Jeff Koval at the State Level Recording Studio in Fairlawn, Ohio. It was produced and edited by William Mankey. I'm James Renner. If you enjoyed this podcast, please visit jamesrenner.com, where you can find more information on my true crime books and novels. My website also has a link to the nonprofit I started last year, The Porchlight Project, which raises money for new DNA tests for Ohio cold cases. It's easy to donate online, and every little bit helps. William Mankey also writes the music for this podcast. Look for his other creations, including Genius Dice, wooden dice that will give an artful twist to your gaming night, and his new Talking Pints, a clever way to mix up a fresh conversation. Available now at Uncommon Goods. Until next time, remember, there's a simple but challenging solution to the epidemic of crime. If everybody took the time to make good friends with their neighbors, we would know when someone needs our help before they become a statistic. Don't be fearful of the world. Make friends and make it better. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.